Happy New Year to you folks out there. Yeah, yeah, so he came back on Thursday, New Year's Eve, and I didn't drop a show for you because, uh, well, I didn't. I got lazy, didn't feel like doing it. Um, sorry. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, welcome to today's show, which is the first show of, uh, 2021. So here we go. Kick off another year. My guest today is, uh, really an awesome, awesome dude on, on multiple levels here. I had him on to kind of talk about raising chickens. I caught wind that he did some homesteading stuff and had, had a bunch of chickens and thought, why not? Why not talk about that? And then, uh, we're talking and, uh, I got hit with, with all that he does. And it was just absolutely amazing. Um, and really, really eye opening. And it just the seeds that it has planted in, in my mind, I hope, um, that it can plant some of those in, in your domes as well. So yeah, we're just going to go, go do it. Let's go, let's go, uh, sow those seeds of liberty with my guest, Mr. Jeff Wacker. Jumping up and down the floor. My hat is an animal. And once there was an animal, it had a sun that mowed the lawn. The sun was an okay guy, they had a pet dragonfly. The dragonfly ran away, but it came back with a story to say. Alright, my, my guest today is uh, another. Another guy I met on Twitter, uh, that, that blasted Twitter place. But uh, yeah, he, he does a lot of stuff with chickens and, and some of that homesteading stuff and thought, why not have him on? I think he's got some some cool things going on I wanted to, to talk to us about. So, Jeff, thank you for uh, giving me your, your afternoon here. To uh... Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. So, uh, to get started, usually, you know, figure out... Um, kind of where you're from in the sense of like homesteady type stuff. Was this something that you were always uh, a part of in your life or was it uh, later on that you decided to, to do these things? Um, actually, I, uh, as a young boy, um, had a lot of animals. I had, uh, I raised quails. Okay. Um, I raised uh, rabbits. Um, so at about age seven, I kind of got started getting into these things and, um, uh, never really did them formally through like a four H or anything like that, but always, uh, had the old timers there just kind of watching me making sure I was doing things. Okay. And then, uh, I, I got away from it. Um, and then probably back in 2015, I started to get back into it and start realizing that there was a need to, um, to get back to those kind of roots for me. Yeah. And I think a lot of people felt that way <laughs> just by like how many people are, are starting to get into this. So, yeah, it, it's isn't it? Cause I don't know if um, like it, it if it's a time period type thing, like it's it's the the social climate, political climate, or if it's like a age type thing. Because I, I know most a lot of people I talk to kind of they they were in it a little bit um, as kids, and then kind of waned a little bit as they got older, and then you know they got a little bit older, and and now they're they're back into it again. So I'm not sure which one it is, but it definitely um, I don't know. It's become. It seems like it's becoming more more of a thing. Um, I'm curious when when you uh, were doing quail and, and rabbit as a kid, um, what were you raising them for? Um, well, we raised uh, we raised the quail for meat, okay. and the rabbits um, started out as pets. Um, but as any rabbit owner knows, um, <laughs> if you 
the peel route rabbit, you will definitely have more rabbits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it then became uh, more of a like a, a hobby farm type thing. We were not selling them, but we did sell them some. End up selling some for meat, um, but we ended up more selling them as just bunnies. Okay, like like puppies. Right. Like yeah. That. How do you do? You remember any of that? Like as, as a kid, was that something? Say, the, the whole butchering process of things is. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's ever, ever an easy task. I mean, it gets a little easier the more you do it, but at the same time, it's never, at least for me anyway, it's, it's never something I look forward to doing. Um, and so I wonder like as a kid, is that something that you kind of, I don't know, you just part of life and, and it there, how, how did that, uh, do you remember that at all? I do. Um, I, rem- <laughs> I remember because I, uh, had taken the time to raise these, these little puffball quails up into like big birds. And then my, I knew we were going to do the slaughter. I think the first time we did this and uh, it was just a matter of, was, you just cut the head off Yeah, <laughs> a big pair of shears and it was thrown out in the yard. And I, I think at first you're, you have that initial shock, but I think over time for me as a kid, it was easier than I think, you know, like someone like my wife who never did that as a kid and had to do it as an adult. It was easier for me because I was exposed to it as a younger, younger child. And then it turned into not necessarily normal. Like you said, I don't, nobody ever right. wants to do these things, but um, it doesn't, it's not as bad. It, 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 the, the, the shock and awe of it all is, is a big deal. Yeah. So. yeah. And it, uh, I think at some point too, you start, when you start to realize or, or get okay with the, the idea that like, I am raising this, this animal for me, like that's, that's this animal's purpose. Um, you know, kind of, I don't know kind of mellows things out a little bit. I think I remember when we did rabbits and, um, you know, I'd have to like gear myself up all day. Cause I'd, I'd do, I'd butcher them at night when everything was quiet and the kids were down and everything. And, um, it was like an all day thing where I was just kind of like, think about it, you know, and I have to convince myself that like, okay, even if you like let them all survive, I'm not going to be able to find homes for them all. Right. They're going to live in this, these little cages. Like it, it's, it's not healthy for them. It's, it's better to just, you know, get done with it, do the, do the deed and, uh, put the meat in the freezer. But, um, yeah, right. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> it does, it's going to squirm a little and you, it's, um, I think for a lot of people, that's the hang up, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, what we do here is I will have, um, people out and I like to get a lot of people that are, um, first time homesteaders and get them out and, see the process even if they're not in the process they get to see the process that they're even if you know if they want to bring their kids out to get that same kind of exposure they get the to see that process and that way they don't sit there and think about oh i have to do this part and that part it, it that normalization starts to come and i hate to use that word but it it does become like a little bit more normal um even though you are thinking about like i'm taking this thing's life i i raised it from a little puff ball or a little you know uh, into something and I put some love and emotion and time and effort into this thing and now I'm just going to kill it. But at the end of the day, it's what we eat. Yeah. Um, and I think getting people being exposed to that over time, it definitely becomes easier. It's never easy. Yeah. It's just easier. Yeah. 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 Uh, I hear it. Um, and that's with our kids. They don't, they're not really around when we actually like do the, the butchering butchering. Um, they'll kind of be there, but they're not really involved in that part of it. Now when you get to 
plucking and, and eviscerating and, and breaking them down. They're, they're involved in all that. And as they get older, I think, you know, they'll, they'll be there for, for all of it, but you know, they're young enough where it's kind of like, I, I don't know if I really want them to see all that, all that blood and, and gore, you know, just piling up. But, um, <laughs> so. I think, well, I think sometimes it, it is, it's age appropriate. I mean, you want children to be more concerned, you know, with how it gets to their plate may necessarily like, that process and maybe some of those processes that are left out until they're older, you know, maybe can are able to uh, process those kind of things. You know, when when you're seven and you watch this little puff ball, you just get its head chopped off. Uh, Initially you're like, wait a minute. What? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and all of our, our, our meat right now, we're just doing the meat birds. Uh, It's too, too hot for, for rabbits. I don't feel like dealing with everything I need to have rabbits down in Georgia, but, um, you know, our, our kids, like we get them and, and they know, you know, they're very cute. The the little fluffy chicks, they're real cute and, and they help feed them, but they know that, you know, in, in eight weeks time, seven weeks time, they're, they're going to be in the, the freezer and on, on the dinner plate. And they're, they're okay with that. They kind of, they know that already and they, they see it happening and it's um become a, a thing that they're used to, I guess, but for sure. So you, um, what do you have going on now? What do you What do you guys do now? I know you hear some birds there. I know you mentioned you you do some butchering with other other folks. Um, what What do you got going on? Well, um, basically, we're a nonprofit organization. Um, it's something that um, I wanted to really incorporate into this, and that was just feeding families. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year, uh, we did uh, two pigs and four hundred chickens. Uh, we fed eighteen families. We um do egg layers this is my second set of egg layers and we try to do our best to provide the community with the service of having good organic pasture pasture raised food something that they know they can come out to the place and look and see where their food is coming from um and i think that was like the most important part of being in this lifestyle was being able to share it and being able to pass these things on to other people so they can do it too. Um, I guess feeding the families is super important as well, Yeah, but I want to get people involved and because the more people that can feed themselves is the less families I have to feed. And and it's, you know, I, I, I did a lot with like a 90, like one of the ladies is a 90 year old shut in and, um, you know, she's not going to be able to go out there and do these things herself. Right. So just filling in those gaps and using the resources that we have to fill in those gaps. Um, but as for here, I want to expand. I would like to do, you know, a thousand chickens have much, much larger uh, groups of people to come and experience like a pig slaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big deal. Um, I think most people are really, they can do the chickens, but once it gets to the pigs, um, they, they, whoa, that's a, that's a whole nother story. Cause you start picking out like human sized organs. Out, and, you know, <laughs> it's not like a, you just scooped out the lungs. Type of deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these are like, these things are like a football, you know, like, Oh, Hey, a liver, you know? And, um, <laughs> so um, I think that's very intimidating for people. And I think, um, eventually I, I've eyeballed sheep as a, a potential, um, just, um, something that I, I'm not sure how well that'll go in the United States, but you know, we'll, we'll have fun with it at least. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think it's kind of, I feel like there's more people out there now that are kind of interested in like the sheep and the goats. I know down, down here where I am, everybody has goats. And for the most part, they're just like 
brush control. Um, but there are some, some folks that will eat them and it's, it's usually, uh, culturally based. Um, the Hispanic groups are more interested in the goat meat. Um, but it's, I think it's kind of spreading out a little bit. So it's, uh, be interesting. We, we've not butchered our, any, any of our goats yet. Um, <laughs> we may, we may, it's, uh, again, but it's one of those things, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a tough, tougher thing to do. I think as the animal gets, it gets bigger. Um, it gets bigger. Sure. Yeah. You have it longer. Little bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it's, you know, six month old, eight month old goat you've had for that long. Uh, it's kind of a little different than bird for eight weeks, but, um, so your, your pigs then, um, well, I guess you did, what'd you say you did? Eight pigs, four pigs, eight pigs. Well, we did two pigs two. this year. Okay. So, but two pigs got us. Um, I'm hoping to do more of this next year. But two pigs got us. We had 340 pounds of of pork wow. out of two pigs, and these were um, pastured pigs that we had. They were almost seven months, um, and they they were big. Yeah. And they. Uh, they go a long ways, you know. I mean, that's the thing with a pig is you really get out of it what you put into it. So you, when you you have them pastured, what do you how how do you pen them in? What kind of fence you got up? Um, right now, I've been using electric fencing, um, but I'm going to switch more towards a um, like a like a wire. Um, at the end, I had them in an area where I had just staked in um, electric wire, and it worked so well it was um the uh i think they're called priceless stakes and the wire goes through the stake and i only had it up the highest point i had it was 14 inches and they i had two lines one at like three and a half four inches and the other one was at 14 inches and they never got out you could just step over the line it was it was so easy did did they ever i mean i guess so I assume you have a big enough, big enough pasture. They're not, they don't really have any want and desire to get out either though. No. And let's say if you put them in these pastured pigs, if you move them on a regular basis, they, they won't till up too much. They won't, they don't like to root as much as like regular pigs, the pastured pigs. Um, and they won't do as much like soil or vegetation disturbance as much as like a, a pig that would root. And that you would keep in one area to just kind of, you know, knock down an area. These pigs like that surface and they can, they can pretty much sustain themselves on that. You don't have to feed them a lot. They get about 60% of their, their uh, nutrition from the pasture. So as long as you're keeping them moving, um, they, they're really well. What kind of pigs were they? They're Idaho pasture pigs. Not sure if I've heard of them. I've heard of, uh, Heard a couple couple different type of pigs, but that that'll range a little bit more, um, you know, more of the pasture type. But I've not heard of them. How did you guys figure out uh, settle on those? Um, we um, I was watching someone on YouTube, and uh, I think it's um, Living Traditions, and they picked these things up. And I I like the idea because I have a, a lot of land, so like a lot of like pasture land. So I wanted to find some place for these birds I mean, these pigs to go where I didn't have to like forest them or put them in a place that, you know, is just going to get nasty. And these I can move around. And the more I move them, the happier they are, the better, more healthy they looked. Um, so I, we, we kind of, we did our research, but at the end of the day, we kind of went with, you know, 
what other people were doing. Yeah. And it seemed to be like the the popular thing at the time. And you know, I guess I, I wish I had a, a really good answer for that. Oh, we did all <laughs> kinds of research. Oh yeah, no. Well, I think that's that's part of it though, right? Like you can do these massive deep dives into, you know, what specific breed I want. Um and at the end of the day sometimes it's, you know, what would you pull the trigger on just because it was, you know, a little easier to get your hands on or maybe more people are doing it. Sure. And even, you know, just if there are more people doing it, there's, there's more information. There's more people out there that, uh, can give you answers if you have them. Um, you know, and it's not always a bad thing, I don't think, but, um, I would agree with that. I'm curious about the, the, the butchering. Um, so you do it, you do it all on site. Yes. Okay. It, um, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the reason I asked, so so you butcher it on site. Do you process it on site? Like you, you cut it up and break it down? Yes. Um, not – I do cut up and break it down to a certain point. I mean, I'm not a skilled butcher, right. but I um, I I know my way around some, some meat. So it um, – once you kind of get the basic cuts, you know, you once you get like you've split your pig in half and you've got it down to the four main sections of the pig – it kind of, it kind of, you're like, oh, this is the, I, I can figure this, I can get the bacon off of this, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. So once the main four pieces, once you get it into four big pieces, it's not hard to process after that. It's the live pig to the four pieces that can have its logistical issues. Yeah. You know, like you, if you have to hang your pig, <laughs> where are you going to hang a, a pig that's, you know, once it's hanging is six foot long you know you have to have some place to, to do that so what did you guys do you got a, a lift on a tractor or like a an engine engine hoist <laughs> that's exactly what it hung it from a tractor um we have a really large um i guess it's a big metal cauldron and the pig went in it um got it all hot you you scrape it you scrape all that hair and all that exterior skin off we left our skins on um until we cooked so uh it just helped preserve the meat in the freezer um and then also people you know maybe they want to render that fat or whatever else when i when i give that away so yeah so i'm I'll leave it with all the options so with 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 all that because i when we were in vermont i got we got a half cow or a, was it a side of a cow i don't know we got we got a bunch of cow from um some <laughs> some farm and um they couldn't butcher it there, right? Like we had to, I forget how it all went, but like we had to buy it live and then they sent it over to the butcher and then the butcher broke it down um, just because of regulations and, and all that good stuff. Um, you know, the actual farm couldn't do the breaking down. Um, do you, are pigs different or is it different because it's a nonprofit or how does that work it, it typically goes by resale and it and it usually goes by where you're at so if i was to say um i'm going to sell you this this then i i have to have it there is some regulation involved um but for the most part i'm not reselling it and i'm using it maybe for my own use or use of like giving it away um i don't necessarily those those laws are a little more relaxed um, I can process my own meats, um, just like a chicken. Um, I can process my chicken, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, and that, and I think even with chickens, um, do you know what the number is on chickens before you have to like I don't know get yourself registered with the the USDA or FDA or whatever, whatever overseas that I don't, but I I, I I'm hoping to push the line. Yeah, 
you know, I'm hoping. To- <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I think I, and I want to say when I was doing, when we were doing rabbits, um, and this is in Vermont, I don't know if it's state or, or national, but I think the number was like a thousand because I remember rabbits, they consider the same thing as poultry. So as long as you're selling below that certain number, there's nobody cares. But once you get over that number, then you have to start, I don't know, declaring with the state that you sell chickens and they come, I, who knows. But um, I just, I was curious if, if you'd seen any of that or heard any of that. How many, how many chickens are you, you going through now? And I see you want to get up to like a thousand in the future. Yeah. We did, uh, we did 400 this year. Um, my personal take on it was not as, not as big as I, you know, would have liked it. So I think that's why we're going to increase. I mean, I, I took home out of the 400, I, I took home 20 total. Oh, wow. And then the rest, <laughs> and the rest went either to, um, people who were, you know, being fed or, um, I had 18 families, so you, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of food. It's a lot of food. Yeah. All right. Where do you? Uh, I'm curious. Where do you? So, do you, did you do them all at once, or do you space it out throughout the year? I spaced it out throughout the year. Um, the uh, I, I tried to do. I did a couple of the. Um, I did a couple of gatherings where I had people come in and, and learn to do it, um, and those were each uh, 30 to 40 birds, and then the other one I did two other ones that were like much, much larger, like a hundred. Um, but we did the other ones with the learning ones. We did much, much fewer birds, but you get, you know, you get free labor out of it yeah. and people get to walk <laughs> home with it. Always make sure somebody always comes home with a chicken. You know I mean? Like you helped out, you go home with a chicken. So for sure. For sure. Where, um, where do you get your birds from? Um, well, uh, this year we got our birds from, believe it or not, tractor supply. Okay. Um, they, uh, it was my first year getting them there. And they had a, they had a sale. So I, I went with it, but the hatchery was so good. Yeah. The, the birds were, uh, they were amazing. They were really good healthy came. I mean, they had no problems at all. I actually bought these layers from them as well. Um, not, not, I'm not sponsored by tractor supply, <laughs> but they, they did a good job. I mean, I was really, I was really surprised and happy with the shape of the birds. Good so. deal. Yeah. Cause that's, that's always, I think once you find a good, good hatchery that, uh, is around you, um, just kind of stick with it. Um, for a while, we just, I just fought, I was, I tried, you know, three or four different male catalog hatcheries and they all, you know, it just, they all were, were garbage. Um, finally I found one that's like semi-local, um, and they've done, did well this last time, but and once you, once you find it, you kind of stick with it. And, but, um, yeah, well, quality birds are hard to come by, and when you when you do find them, is you stick with that, you know, because they're going to keep making that same bird out of that same lineage. Yep. So, all right. Um, so feeding, you feed lots of people. Um, how how did you how did you get into that? How did you wake up and decide I want to you know raise four hundred chickens and <laughs> eat twenty of them and give the rest away? Like where where did that come in? <laughs> well, you know, I think um, I've always been involved in this feeding of the people. I, I've um, everywhere I've lived, I've always jumped in, and where I'm at now, I jumped into the food bank, which was um, overwhelmed to say the least, and there were big gaps. And me wanting to do the, you know, getting back to eating, you know good food and, and the organic food, it just seemed to fit that 
I can I can do this and feed myself, but I can also feed all those people who fall in those in those cracks. You know, the the ninety year old lady who who lives you know out on a her husband died who was a farmer and now she just lives on the farm mm-hmm. doesn't do anything with it, but can't get out and make her own food or can't you know those 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 gaps that you fill. Um, and I think for me it was just seeing the need for my from my community and seeing that they have um the same thing that i was looking for to accomplish those same goals it's just to have some good organic food know where it came from not from the grocery store because that's that's a crapshoot you know what i mean when you go to the grocery store you don't know what you're gonna get yes um and you think that that, that that helps when you when you see the need in your community even if you're just a regular homesteader the guy the the guy next door can always use a chicken he'll always eat some eggs um that that capital that you'll get back from that is priceless so yeah i uh trying to trying to figure that out a little bit around around here where i am i, I the, the the community bug has has bit me and it's just it's something i, I really want to develop locally um and i think it's really kind of interesting how how you're going about it um you kind of you know are growing it by by the manner in which you are i think it's it's a uh, it's impressive um so with, do you have like, when, when the people come to process a chicken or whatever, have you, what have you, how, how's that gone? Have people come back? Have they, you know, this is, this is awesome. Like, thanks for, I mean, how does, how, I'm kind of curious some of the, the feedback and, and how that's gone. Okay. Well, actually I, what's great is I think that it, what I've gotten is that it exceeds people's um, expectations. I think people, when they, when they get to this thing, they're already outside of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So when you want, when, when people come there, they're already out of their comfort zone and making sure that they're comfortable in what's going on. Like I, I never want to do like an overwhelming amount of birds when I do these things, because I want people to take their time see the process, feel comfortable with that process and be able to do this on at their home, you know, and then to turn around and do this, that they feel comfortable where I can, you know, I can cut the bird. I can open it up, take out all that yucky gooey stuff inside. You know <laughs> what I mean? I want them to feel comfortable when they go. And I feel like the feedback that I'm getting back is that when they leave, that's how they feel like, oh, I can do this. It's not as difficult as I once thought it was, or it doesn't seem as bad. I, I thought there was going to be a lot more inside or, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I think the feedback I'm getting is more to the fact that I can do this. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that are like, oh, I can do this. I came here intimidated. I came here with the idea that I might not be able to do this part, but when they leave, they feel like I got something out of it. I now have acquired a new skill and it's even a skill that once I perfect, I can pass on as well. Yeah. So that that's super important to me. Yeah. That's cool. Have you, have people, have you seen people gone on, go on to I don't know, raise their own birds? Yes. Actually, I actually helped in someone else's um, slaughter that attended one of mine. Um, and um, it was a, um, not, I guess like a, 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 distant relative but uh relative nonetheless um but went and helped them brought my plucker and we did the whole thing and and i think that that's another thing is people think oh i gotta get a i gotta get a plucker and a i gotta do i get all this fancy equipment and you know and it, it really is you can do it very very basically or you can do it very you know uh 
glamorous. It's it's what you so Yeah, I, I um I think that's next on our, our list of things to to acquire is either a, a plucker or like a, a cook stove so we can actually keep the water, you know, at a, at a steady temperature outside where we're processing, <laughs> yeah, you know, because oh it's, it's like, you know, you, you boil a pot of water and bring it outside. And when you go outside, you know, put the, put the next pot on and you do, you know, three or four birds and you go back inside, get the next pot. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it, that is tough. I, I also have done the same thing. And then when I got it, I, I found myself also uh, constantly having to just, keep the water on or turn it off. I got it too hot, too cold. It's not hot enough. I'm constantly fussing with the propane too. So it didn't, it didn't even help that much to get so. oh, <laughs> it. Was man. Constantly with the All right. Well, that's yeah. It's just, it's, and it's those things that when you, um, when you ha- are not exposed to those things and it's why I really believe in just, you know, bringing people in and getting those people in the community <laughs> in is that once they get that, that feel for it, you know? Um, and once they get, you know, into it, it, it works all itself all out. Sure. That's very, very cool. Very cool. Any, any big plans for the future? I know you mentioned you're trying to up the chicken production. You going to try to do more, more pigs. And you mentioned the, maybe some sheep there. Yeah. More sheep. Uh, actually, I, um, I guess my big thing here is, um, is the feeding end of it, but I really want to, um, go into the education of it because even in my own, you know, if you're in this, you probably have a mentor, you know, if you're in homesteading or in farming, you probably have a mentor. And if you don't go get a mentor, um, but your mentor is going to leave gaps and those gaps, um, sometimes, you know, it's, it's the learning curve. Those gaps are the learning curve. You know, how did I do that? You know, I mean, I remember I had uh, chicks that were attacking each other and they had all these little red specks on their butts. So I had no idea what to do. I'm like, they're, they're chickens will automatically peck anything that's yeah. red, a red dot yep. and the chicken has a red dot. Oh my gosh. You know, and then they all had red. Dots, so they're all trying to do each other, <laughs> you know, there's, there's no book, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no, you have to figure that out. So, you know, here's my wife and I, we're, we're dusting all these things with uh, cornstarch, you know, we're, we're putting cornstarch on these chickens asses and, and just, just, you know, puff, puff, puff. And, and it worked and it's just the learning curve. So filling in those gaps and filling in the little things that you're like, Hey, I never heard this before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what do you do when a chicken rips the comb off of another chicken? You know, those little things are, um, those are the gaps. And I, I, I want, I think for me growing as a, as a homesteader or a farmer um, is going to be with not just the feeding and the food and the, the animals, it's, it's going to be the education. So um, I think that's really important. Yeah. And I, I think it's equally like, you know, when you, you feed people, right. But when you, when you teach people how to feed themselves, when you learn how to teach other people um, to do these things, it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of spider webs out, you know? It does. Yes. And I, I love that. I, I, I find that, you know, um, I might've even found myself in that at other at times in my life where you kind of jump into something that like, Hey, everybody else is kind of doing this too. Even homesteading, it, it, it can get addictive. You know, you, you raise, 
you know, you, you start out with some layers. Next thing you know, you got meat chickens and a, and a goat tied to a tree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> hey, you know, uh, I know. <laughs> you know it, can, it can get out of control. But, you know, I think that um, not always a bad thing, not always, um, you know, if, we, if we're doing these things and we're all, you know, that they talk about sustainability, that is sustainability. If I can feed myself all throughout the year, if I can feed myself and feed my neighbor, that's sustainable. That, that is something that we can go on with and, you know. Yep. And, I, and I, for me, I think there's a whole lot more value in, in building those relationships through, you know, food with, with people that need it and, and giving them, you know, that, the 90 year old lady, right? Like I'm, I imagine I, I could be wrong, but I imagine you don't just like, you know, drop off a bag of food at the, the door, ring the doorbell and, and take off. I imagine there's some of that, you know, human interaction that, that is lost when it's just a, you know, check in the mail for some, some food stamps or whatever. Um, you know, and you start relying on, on your community to fill in those gaps. It's, I don't know, the, the personal connection is, is so much more and, and I think probably more valuable. Well, you know, I, I find that when you, when you, when you're working in your community, you're dealing in a different capital. You're not dealing in money. Um, you're not dealing in your labor. You're dealing in human capital in social capital. And these things can be worth way more than money. Um, I can't even tell you how many times I've actually received assets just based on the fact that I was able to people I knew in the community that may maybe saw that I needed this. Like I think that big cauldron was something that somebody had given me <laughs> that saw that I needed it. And then it was like a, a gap in, you know, oh, like you need this. Okay. Well, I, I'll take it. And you know what I mean? So those it's that, it's that, that capital you get within the community that pays for itself and eventually will be more than, you know, working at an hourly wage for someone else. It, it comes back to you. You, the education comes back to you. The service you give to your community comes back to you, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. But uh, all right, man. Any anything else you want to tell me about, or you got going on, or um, a place we can find you? And, and I'm on Twitter. I'm 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 me. I'm at Jeff Wacker. Um, I I am who I am. Um, I'm unapologetic about it. <laughs> I'm I'm I'm, I'm an, I, it, for me, I'm, I'm an extremist, but I, I'm, I love everybody and I love all people. So yeah, I don't promote my farm as much as I probably should, but <laughs> I will soon. You know what I mean? I, I'm getting, I'm going to get to that point. I think, I think the, uh, the marketing into that is probably my, <laughs> my weak point. So <laughs> yeah, well. all, right. all right, man. Well, I, well, thank you so much for, you, for all this. I, I, I pre, I love to talk about animals and community and farming and homesteading so not a problem man. i'll come back anytime. And, I, and i hope it i hope i hope i hope people can take something from it you know it's really it's it just to me this is that that what, what you're doing is is so valuable and like you said right it's, it's not a there's not a price tag on it necessarily you know um, not one that we can define with dollars and, and cents but you know that that relationships but all right well, I'll, I'll let you get going back to your uh your layers there and uh thank you, thank you. thank you for coming on i appreciate it all right well i appreciate you thank you all right so like i said at the top i hope that um planted some seeds for you guys i know it definitely has for myself um you know it just it seems like something that that could be doable with, with the right kind of support, you know, whether it's a, a church group, 
just a local local group of, of community members that think getting healthy food to people and um, sharing sharing just human connection, human interaction with people is a a worthy cause. Um, so really hope you guys kind of you know just chew on it, just just put that idea in your head and, and let it evolve um, into your own own workings, if you will. So yeah, I, I mentioned it, but um, you guys came here on Thursday to to find a show. Uh, it wasn't here. Um, and I think I'm going to probably stop doing the little Thursday updates of, of what's happening here. I may, on occasion, throw something out at the end of the month. I don't know. But uh, I am trying to do more on the video sides, actually, kind of showing you guys a little bit of, of what's going on here, um, kind of how I do things. Not that I do things the right way, ever, really, but uh, so you can learn from my mistakes, because... That's that's how we learn, right? We see things done the wrong way, and you say, "What an idiot! I'm never going to do it like that." And uh, that's that's what I'm here for—to show you how to not do things like like waiting until uh, the final minute or two of the show when probably no one is is listening anymore to tell you that the show notes will be at uh, homesteadsandhomeschools.com/slash-one-zero-two, uh, or to tell you to go to Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/TheLibertyHippie, and um, I don't know. Sign up there. Uh, I'll send you some seeds, some stickers. Um, trying to get some more merch going. Get, get a few T-shirts or something. Something catchy. Something snazzy. I don't know. I don't know who needs who needs T-shirts, right? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make uh, some work gloves or something stupid like that. Anyway, guys, if you're still here, I, I do appreciate it, and I encourage you guys to uh, you know go live life, go help people around you, go build your community, and go just be a part be a part of, of making things better because nobody else is going to do it. Nobody, nobody's going to make things better. No, no politicians, no leaders, no, it's individuals. And, uh, we're, we're those individuals. So get out there. So those seeds of Liberty, we can all reap. She's the freedom together. Dream.